On today's episode, I'm chatting with Giuliano Valentini about communication and vulnerability. Giuliano facilitates peer support group and a workshop through the organization Miel and Porti. The peer group is called Men Talk and is a safe space for men to openly discuss their struggles. And the workshop is called Communication Talk. And this one is centered around non-violent communication. In this episode, Giuliano explains about these two initiatives in more detail. We get into talking about the reason why men also need a safe space to talk about their emotions, how this can be very important for those who are fathers as well, and also how both parents can pass down things to their children through their mother and father lineages as well. Giuliano explains the foundations of nonviolent communication and why he thinks it's more of a way of life and not just a method. You'll find out how to register to these two free groups at the end of the episode, so stay with us until then. Before we jump in, I want to mention that June the 20th, 2022, will be our last episode before a short summer break. As you've probably noticed, July is a ghost town around here because, of course, everybody's out enjoying the two minutes of sun that we have. But anyway, the next episode after that will be coming out on August 8th, 2022. So I'm really waiting to welcome you back here with a whole bunch of amazing guests and episode that are already lined up for you. And last thing, if you're pregnant and want to have a chance to chat with me some more, join me and the Nest Doulas online for the June Positive Birth Helsinki Meetup, which will be about dads and birth partners. It will be on Saturday, the 11th of June, 2022 at 10 to 12 a.m. And you can sign up to that one with the link in the show notes or through the Nest Instagram bio link. So let's get started on our conversation with Giuliano. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours. We'll help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Giuliano with me here today. Hi, Giuliano. Good morning. Hello. Good morning, Danielle. I will Hi. ask you to call me Jew, if possible. Jew, yes, that's totally fine. I Thank am you. going with whatever you are comfortable. Great. So you are facilitating a peer support group, which we are going to talk about today, and a workshop with Miel and Porti, which is the organization you work for. But this will come a little later. Maybe first you could introduce yourself to our listeners a little more. All right. Okay. So, um, hello everyone. My name is, you, you may call me Ju. I am Brazilian-Italian. I live in Finland now for three years. And currently my life has been around uh, this these projects that Danielle just mentioned. And I think that's it. I'm complete. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What background do you come from? Just so people can understand like your professional career. So people can understand what you bring and who are you that you are facilitating these kind of yeah. things. You know? uh, so my, my professional background has nothing to do with uh, mental health. I studied physics back in Brazil. I, I had a career as a musician. I traveled to many countries. I lived in many countries. I lived in different realities, all as an attempt to try to explore myself and yes. understand what I truly wanted to do of my life and who I really was. And... And then finally, when I landed in Finland and lived here for 
for one and a half years, I started understanding that I wanted to work with psychology and mental health. And then I started my relationships with this big organization called Fluxenia. And the project I was put into was Miel Importi. And that's when I started uh, specializing and facilitating peer support groups and and workshops with nonviolent communication. Yeah, thank you for giving us uh, that introduction, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this right now in our in our episode. So maybe if we dive into the peer support group, I mean, in my experience and from what I have heard, could be a little bit biased, but I often hear uh, about peer support that is for women. Or there is this stereotype about women having more e- like easy time talking than, than men. So I want to ask you, what is the importance of creating such a safe space for men to talk as you do with, with your support group that is called mm. Men Talk? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Danielle. Uh, there, uh, there is this uh, stereotype that peer support, peer support groups are usually um, aimed towards women, and there are, there are a lot of studies that conclude that women are the ones who carry the most, how can I say, need for psychological help because they are the ones that are most involved with it. But if you check the suicidal rates, men are usually three times higher in the statistics. So it is not completely accurate that women are the ones who need most psychological support or peer support groups or support nets. Men need as much or even more exactly because men are raised not to get in contact with their feelings and not to talk about their feelings because they're going to be sissy, they're going to be weak. Men don't cry, men have to provide, men have to show invulnerability, have to be strong in the difficult situations and protect the family. So it has been some decades now already when there has been projects created for men to talk for for men to to raise their awareness towards their feelings towards their emotions towards their needs boundaries and when i started getting involved getting involved with these ideas i based my research in many many projects that happen in the us in brazil and also some across europe and I couldn't, I couldn't almost believe the results of these peer support groups for men that I studied. And one small example of the effects of this peer support group for men was um, in one project in Brazil where men who, were, who went to jail for domestic violence, part of their sentence was to to visit like 10 meetings of these peer support groups for men. And in the end, the difference was that men who didn't go to the peer support group like had over 80% rate statistic of committing domestic violence again. And the ones who visited the peer support group for men never more committed anything like this. It was like a zero percent. That is a really impressive study and a really strong message about the importance, which was the question I had asked you. Why is it so important? And thank you for bringing up the study in, in your answer, because that really goes to show the powerful effect that having such a safe space also for our men to, to talk And again, I want to just raise the point that we're talking about a stereotypical, very gender, um, you know, identified role that that society constructs for men. Yeah. 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 Anything else to add on the importance of this space? Mm, I can I can talk about my my personal experience 
maybe so that uh, listeners can can connect more because talking about statistics is a bit impersonal, you know. But um, I was raised in a culture and in a in a structure where it wasn't allowed to cry, it wasn't allowed to talk about feelings, it wasn't allowed to show so-called weaknesses, what I call boundaries, and I ended up having a really difficult relationship towards every man. I ended up being in an unspoken competition with every man, including including myself. I, I ended up also having a lot of struggles towards sex, towards my relationships, towards... Uh, ideals of what men should be uh, a very a very oppressive structure that wouldn't allow me connecting to whom I really was so when I started this project it also served for me you know um, to connect with other men who share the same struggles and and i'm gonna tell you my experience with the spirit support groups tells me that every man shares this same struggle and it's been so liberating uh, to be part of this group and so deep and so strong at the same time and it's it's not like i'm there teaching anything i am just facilitating the discussions and maybe bringing the topics in worst case but it's it this this project is about men talking and it and it has created an impact yeah that's so amazing maybe to go into a more niche section how do you feel that this relates to men and fathers who are becoming parents you know mm. what are the changes that are happening right at that time for men who are turning into parents or fathers and what is the importance of getting in touch with yourself as you described around this time of huge identity change mm. so i am not i'm not a parent myself so what i'm gonna say here is uh, purely about some ideas that have being discussed in our groups towards, uh, even though identity is completely confidential and there is a, uh, we have a huge value of, of non-disclosure. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to confess to you that I am, I'm going to try to be very careful here with, with this value to honor this value. So in general, what I've been hearing in these groups is that there is there are big questions towards raising children, especially towards raising male children, to pass on to them values that are important for the parents, to avoid creating a structure for the children where they are going to feel oppressed as well. At the same time, there is, there, there is a huge, huge concern about failing on educating children. And failing what is what comes to my mind when, when, whenever I hear this. What, what is this failure about? Is it again about being an ideal father? Is it again about being an ideal man, an ideal chief of the family? a provider, all these things that are expected from men. So we talk a lot about these in these groups and also on how to educate children to not be sexist as well, or to discuss the, the, the importance of having the discussion. And also... I remember a few times we talked about the permissivity of porn 
in internet when ch- when children use internet because porn has become really permi- permissive even though you don't want to have contact it, with it you will have towards google search and etc and and the impact that porn has in young males and also more and more in young females is really impressive the, the studies are, are pointing to huge statistics of younger and younger children. Like, if I'm not wrong, I read, in, I read a research that the first time a child has contact with porn, in average nowadays, is when they are seven years old. Wow. But they are not searching for it. It just comes to them. Oh, wow. That's, that is way too early. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about what that does. I mean the whole picture that that paints, uh, the imprint that that gives to the child, you know, what is, what is sex? What is the relationship? What is intimacy? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. It's a completely false, uh, skewed image, unrealistic idea. And that completely disregards the importance of being vulnerable and being connected and, showing your true self to another person, which is exactly what you are doing in your peer support groups, this vulnerability. And it also reminds me of the work of uh, a researcher, which I really love, Brene Brown. Have you heard of her? I haven't heard. I haven't heard yet. So she's a researcher and an author, and she has written a lot of books about vulnerability. I recommend you and our listeners to take a look. Yeah. She also does a, she also has a Netflix um, kind of talk that she that she gives. And over there she shares something really powerful that I wanted to bring into our conversation. She said that at one of her lectures, a man came up to her. And okay. he said, It's very convenient that you only study women, Brene, because you know, what about us men and our vulnerability? And he said, you know, those two women who I came with today to your lecture, my wife and my daughter, they would rather see me die on my white horse yeah. than be vulnerable. Wow. Wow. And this is such a strong message of how us uh, women facilitate or allow or not allow our men to be vulnerable. That's Isn't such that an impactful. Uh, yes, it is very impactful. It yeah. is very impactful. And they kind of go hand in hand. So, uh, like, you know, on one side, we are talking about uh, giving space and allowing space and allowing men to have the chance to talk about their emotions. But at the same time, for many women, it is very hard to then be in the space and hold space for our men when they are vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that happening a lot. I see that happening a lot. And before starting this um, this peer support group, I went into into some researches and books about this binarity in our society. And you know, the more the more I read, the more I got to the conclusion that the liberation of of women. And the liberation of men, they won't happen individually. They, they, they will happen working together towards the goal of self-liberation. And what you're, what you're saying brings me that thought again very strongly because the secret that is going in my mind right now is, uh, is more or less like this. If a man is not allowed to get in contact with with his feelings and talk about sex and talk about his struggles and his addictions because he believes that he has to be a certain ideal of man, he will behave a certain way that displeases a lot of women. And to protect themselves, women also will create a certain strategy to deal with this kind of man. And will self and and will kind of um, 
self-feed this strategy of man as well. So these both strategies and structures, they are kind of codependent. So also fight for women liberation needs to include man liberation. Otherwise, the structure will never stop self-feeding or self-renovating. And when you, when you tell me that you, you catch yourself thinking how you, uh, I'm talking in general, you women don't allow your men to be vulnerable is exactly about this. Is exactly about this. Because this, these strategies have to be worked on at the same time. Absolutely. And that is that is such a great way to to explain it. And I really see that also in my in my eye, how you, you said that they are codependent on one each one another. And in the end, they are both functioning within society. It is a two way street, right? Yeah, yeah. They affect one another all the time. I will restate the things that I said in one small in one small saying that we use a lot in nonviolent communication already connecting the other topic is that this, these structures in society, they are structured that take away both men and women's choice over their strategies to meet their needs. So men and women both have needs for love, appreciation, connection, uh, thrive, but they both use very distinct strategies to meet both these needs. And when we are in such a closed structure that teaches us there is there, that there are only few ways to meet these needs, we lose our choice to be really authentic and choose our own ways to meet these needs. For instance, in general, women believe that if they use the strategy of putting on makeup and buying a nice dress, they will meet needs to be seen, to be appreciated, to to act, to finally meet needs for love. And usually they don't have much choice over these strategies if they don't get in contact with self-liberation. Yeah, the choices are narrowed, so... Exactly. You don't have options. And when you don't have options, you don't have freedom. And it's, that's what I always say also for when we talk about birth preparation and uh, getting to know the choices that you have over your birth. The more choices yeah. we have in that, the more empowered we can feel. And it's so important to have choice over your birth and also over many other things in your life. And also, but don't forget that we don't know what we don't know. That's also true. So if we yeah. have blinders, when we have these blinders like horses do, not to see left and not to see the right, you don't know what else can be available to you. Yes. But that's kind of the catch. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. do you get to know what you don't know? <laughs> that's that's a great wow, that's a great question, Danielle, to me as well. And I've been thinking a lot about it. And my the answer that I have for this question right now, which is totally open to be changed, is through suffering. If there is no, if there is no suffering, we won't, we won't search for different perspectives on how to live our lives. So through acknowledging the suffering that we're going through, to getting in contact with our feelings, and, and giving space for them to exist, then we say, well, there is something wrong with the way I am approaching my life. All right. It's a reason to change. The, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's Start what I question. am. Exactly. Exactly. That, that is my conclusion for now. And uh, hmm. yeah, as you said, it, it may change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something you mentioned, and that was about intergenerational uh, trauma. Like we can even call it that way. And you said that men are talking when they're becoming fathers, talking about moving things and passing things between generations. And it's something 
I talk a lot about also between the mother lineage, but it's also really interesting to bring it into the father lineage and the same intergenerational trauma can absolutely apply also on the father side, sort of, if you take the heterosexual uh, couple and and situation over here of really men also passing down to their, to their boys, perhaps, and to these future, future men patterns and emotional uh, coping mechanisms that have been passed down to them. As you said, boys don't cry, boys are strong. And it ties really beautifully into two parenting philosophies, which I really appreciate and connect with. And this is the conscious parenting and the aware parenting uh, philosophies that uh, I have read about and I really, really connect with. And they talk a lot about loving your child and appreciating your child for who they are and for allowing space for them to feel what they need to feel without trying to change that. Wow. And for me, the work of Brene Brown, (laughs) together with conscious parenting, aware parenting, has changed my life. (laughs) And my interaction. Yeah, my interaction with my husband and my daughter and my 10-year-old sister, who I have as well. And just, and also my work as a doula, honestly. Because a lot of what I do as a postpartum doula is really just listen to people's vulnerability without trying to change it. And I am realizing how this is really a skill that not many people have um, because we are not conditioned to be okay with that, to be okay with just hearing what people have to say and being like, that's okay. I'm right here and I'm listening. Yeah. Well, this, this, this hits me like a train because, you know, for men, it is almost impossible to listen to your children's pain, your partner's pain, maybe heterosexual, homosexual, or whenever, uh, whatever preferences or, or gender you identify with. It's really, really hard to listen to someone without jumping into the problem-solving strategy. Yeah. It's really difficult. And for men as well, it's really difficult to just be with feelings, to just hold their pain with care and space and give it space. There is always this idea that, like, we have to find a solution, we have to be efficient, we have to change this. Exactly as you're saying, like it's it's a skill to listen to someone without trying to change them. I Here's, I yeah yeah go on. I want to offer you and our listeners something. Have you thought of the word emotion? You know, inside the oh, word emotion, no. inside the word emotion, there is the word motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, in order to feel what we need to feel we have to move through that feeling Mm. Mm. the moment we try to go around it and try to find a solution that is trying to distract us from what we are feeling Mm. the longer that feeling is going to linger and stay with us but when you let yourself move through the emotion through motion (laughs) then Mm the faster you will come back to your balance, to homeostasis. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's that's awesome. And I never yeah. thought about the word. Yeah. And it makes the whole sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> it's really, really interesting and, uh, and it's so important. And I, I love that you are providing this space right here in Finland. And later you will tell us how people can join, obviously. But I so appreciate that you are starting this little piece, part of the revolution and the change Mm. uh, to how men can bring this vulnerability into their life. And I'm also curious, have you heard any uh, feedback from the partners of these men? I haven't. I haven't. Um, And honestly, Danielle, that is not my focus. I've never Mm -hmm. asked this from them. But now that you're asking me this, I am curious about it as well. You yeah. Know? 
Um, there were times when men realized that they never stated boundaries in their relationships. And it was a revolution already to start stating their boundaries. At the same time, it was difficult to handle and it was such a new experience and maybe so difficult to handle that I know of relationships who ended. Right. And I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as what is needed in that moment because maybe the space solitude is what's really needed to reconnect with a lost part of ourselves. And as you said, sometimes women don't know how to deal with vulnerable men or men shifting into new behavior of expressing their vulnerability. So for, yeah. for some women, it's also difficult to handle this. So that's why I don't see as a bad thing that relationships end up, you know, breaking apart. And other times I heard of relationships just getting more intimate and stronger. And yeah. so I guess that the, if I asked for feedback, there will be a full spectrum of responses. Yeah. I want to bring in a quote by Brene Brown. I was just looking it up uh, quickly and it goes like this. Show me a woman who can hold space for a man in real fear and vulnerability. And I'll show you a woman who's learned to embrace her own vulnerability and who doesn't derive her power or status from that man. Show me a man who can sit with a woman in real fear and vulnerability and just hear her struggle without trying to fix it or give advice. And I'll show you a man who's comfortable with his own vulnerability and doesn't derive his power from being Oz, the all-knowing and all-powerful. Oh, that is so, uh, so in accordance with all I have been experiencing and, and all I've, I've been studying. And like, I feel really, really driven to read uh, Brené Brown now. Yeah, yeah. I and that, that's exactly it. A woman who can be with the discomfort of a man is a woman who has done self-work. Yeah. And who is also aware of herself. Yeah. And a man yeah. and the opposite, you know. The opposite is true. Yeah. And this is exactly uh, a great picture of what we just discussed earlier, that individual liberation is a contradiction. That right. both, both these women and men that Brené Brown is asking uh, or talking about is related to plural liberation. Exactly. It's the same yeah. thing. You're right. Yeah. They yeah. were so interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also to bring into the conversation the piece about becoming parents, because this podcast is, as, as we said, you know, um, geared towards parents, that a lot shifts in the partnership uh, when we are welcoming children into the family. Mm. And we shift in our identity and in our role and sometimes for many parents and couples it becomes challenging uh, and we get to know each other better and our relationship is really almost put to the test if you want to say it that way uh, when when children are brought in so by having the capability to be more vulnerable and to open up the line of communication and maybe with this we can move to our the next uh, workshop that mm -hmm. you're doing, communication talk, mm -hmm. when we open up the lines for communication and for the willingness to hear the other person's vulnerability, we can strengthen and deepen our bond as a couple and create a stronger foundation for our family. Mm -hmm. Because I really think that as a family, children are very important, but without the strong couple and parenthood, parentalship, I don't know, the, 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 mm -hmm. the parents working together and being that strong rock of the family, mm -hmm. then the entire unit can much more easily fall apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So in that so, perspective, this is how I think it's connected to parenting, just to make that link. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I agree with you. When a child is born in, in a family, it will steer up all, all the concepts and values and structures between between what being a man or what being a woman or relating to a specific or more plural spectrum of genders and preferences it it will i've i've been seeing it as i said i'm not a parent but i've been seeing it happening again and again and and i totally and i totally relating relating our podcast with parenting i totally see the benefit and the and great importance of working in ourselves to to protect the child as well to to bring the child liberation autonomy authenticity to choose what they want i really do believe that parenting can be one of the most enlightening experiences that people can have because mm-hmm having a child brings inside of you brings out the pieces from inside of you that are related to your own past and your Mm. own childhood Mm. Mm. so there are many times where you are maybe interacting with your child and all of a sudden you feel this like washing over your body and you just like maybe you see red you know and you react in ways that are not uh you're not conscious or aware. And this is why these parenting paradigms are called conscious and aware parenting, because they are talking about bringing into awareness your behavior patterns that exist from your own childhood, which you may or may not want to use, depending, of course, what those are. You may not want to pass them on. So in order to start that, you first need to be aware or conscious of your behaviors and that's that's why i think it's such an enlightening space and such an invitation to really look deeper into yourself and if you if you've started the self exploration and self development path in the past then this is a beautiful continuation and if you haven't really then this is a really really great opportunity and invitation to start looking a little bit deeper into yourself and this men talk uh, sessions is a really nice place perhaps for some people mm. to do yeah that. I want to comment on this that what you just said I, I it, uh, it relates a lot to to the things that I that I've been seeing for instance if you don't allow yourself to be with your emotions as a man why would you allow your child male child, to be with their emotions. And that's... That is exactly it. Yeah. When you say, like, you are interacting with the child and you just see red and you snap and that's it. It's exactly that. And if we were not let, as a child, to feel those emotions, if we as children were distracted from our emotions when we were crying, let's say, or if Mm. we were abandoned with our emotions, like Mm. we were told to go into our room, then whatever that response was, we are very likely to do the same thing. Yeah. 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 And it isn't because of a bad intention. It's just simply because this is the version of parenting that we know. Exactly. It's the, it's the strategy that was passed on to you. Yes. And, and when you talked previously about um, inherited structures, it's exactly about this. It was a strategy that maybe was useful 100 years ago or with our grandparents where there was it was such a struggle to survive a war or to survive scarcity of food and etc that like there was no time to show emotions if you sit and cry you lose precious time of farming or precious time to avoid um dangerous situation Yes, but that's that strategy is not needed anymore in our society. So we need to unlearn it. That takes time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love this discussion. (laughs) 
Great. Me too. Uh, should we talk about the other workshop you are offering with Miel and Porti? Can you tell us a little bit about Communication Talk? Who is it for yes. and what do you do there? What's it all about? Yes, I, I would love to do that. I just have one more observation. Uh, I have a request for women listening to this podcast. If, if you see benefit in this uh, peer support group, don't try to convince your partners to come. Because mm -hmm. that is part of trying to change them. And trying to change someone with the intention of, of pointing bad behaviors or, I don't know, it, it, will, it will raise a huge, huge resistance because most likely it will raise defensiveness, blame, shame. So listen to this podcast until the end, now that we are entering nonviolent communication, because that will, I will approach a lot this topic. Great. Okay, so uh, talking about the communication talk, the workshop that we that I offer based on nonviolent communication. Yeah. So I think first I want to introduce what nonviolent communication is, because mm -hmm. there is there is a lot of misunderstanding of what it is. Some people believe it's just a term, and some people believe it's also just a method. But it's more than that. It's a way of life. And this was created by a person called Marshall Rosenberg, who, uh, whose family survived the Holocaust and moved to the US. And he grew up in a really violent neighborhood, being bullied and beaten up for being Jew. And he couldn't understand how his grandparents were so compassionate towards Nazis. It didn't just make sense for him. And it was such a big question that moved him so much that he, uh, he decided to go to psychology, to study psychology in university, uh, which coming from a violent and poor neighborhood background, it, it's, it's really hard to achieve. And he became a PhD in psychology. And he decided to study the language of compassion. And he created a method that was so impactful that he spent the rest of his life solving conflicts in between uh, Palestinians and, and Israelis in Jerusalem. He spent his life solving conflicts between African tribes that couldn't speak the same language that have been killing each other for generations and generations. Also, solving conflicts between uh, parents who divorced and weren't talking to each other for many years, between children and parents who weren't talking to each other for many years. And he wrote a book called Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And this was so impactful in the world that he had to create a center, an institute called Center for Nonviolent Communication, and started training people into becoming nonviolent communication certified trainers, which is the path that I am in right now. And Communication Talk is a workshop free of charge. And we can talk a bit more about this. It's, uh, it's uh, based in gift economy. And it's free of charge. I don't charge anyone any amount for it and it consists in seven meetings one week one meeting per week so seven weeks and there we have a deep and experiential introduction to nonviolent communication and i'm not there just teaching as a teacher i'm facilitating a discussion so people bring their struggles their conflicts their difficulties in communicating and relating with their parents, their partners, their workmates. And from those conflicts, we start discussing and building 
nonviolent communication skills. Wow. I think that that was the introduction I wanted to give. To clarify, this is also for men and women. This is for all genders. All, for genders, all genders, yes, exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, for all people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. For all people. Okay, wow. Wow, this, thank you for such a such a great introduction of uh, of this one as well. So that's everybody can can join the communication talk, and it is based on nonviolent communication, as you said, yeah. as you mentioned. And people can bring in their own challenges, and basically they leave this seven week workshop with. Can you say say a little bit? Yes, yes. Thank you for this question. I just I just got. The claims that I didn't mention that man, uh, that men talk is also for free. Thank okay, you, yeah. so it's it's important to to emphasize that. So mm -hmm. in, after the seven weeks, we go through the basic and starting strategies of nonviolent communication. Okay, which we call OFNR: observations, feelings, needs, requests, and this each aspect is worked on uh, each meeting. So after four meetings, people get in contact with the basic structure of nonviolent communication, which is observing facts away from perceptions, differentiating our needs for our strategies, to meet our needs. As I said before, women, in general, we use the strategy of buying a nice dress and putting makeup on to meet needs for love. And men use an opposite strategy, which is showing invulnerability to meet needs for love. So it's this differentiating what is our actual need, what is actually a strategy, and how can I break free from my strategies and choose what is true what truly makes sense for me so observations without perceptions needs without strategies the next uh, it's uh, feelings instead of thoughts connecting to our feelings instead of a rational uh, circuit and the last one is a request instead of a demand Am I open to listen to a no to my question, to my request? Or is it a demand or is it an order? So we work deeply uh, into these four aspects in the four weeks, in the four first weeks. And after that is a more deeper swim, let's say, into putting this method into practice. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, uh, the topics the topics vary between using nonviolent communication towards other people, using violent communication towards ourselves, because we see the enemy in ourselves as well. We want to change ourselves many times instead of just accepting who we really are, mm -hmm. and and we we discuss about when nonviolent communication won't work and why it won't work and how to deal with that right so does this answer your question yes it does can people join uh as a couple have you seen they that can. In the we've, we've we've had couples there okay great. And it was yeah. great and it was great it was one of the one of the feedbacks that i most that most touch uh me uh and i can try to paraphrase it's we stopped seeing our conflicts as problems and shift them into opportunities to learn and grow that's that, beautiful that, yes and so couples are totally welcome are totally mm -hmm. welcome mm -hmm. yeah great so just in terms of the technicalities can you say a little bit on how often, if we first talk about the, the men talk, so how mm -hmm. often does that take place? Is it several weeks? Is it once a week? How long is each session? Mm -hmm. Where can people sign up? Just this kind of, you know, technical things about the meeting. Yeah. yeah. So 
Mentalk is an open group, so anyone can join. It's recurrent. There isn't an end. And the so it's recurrent- every week? It's every week. It's every week, every Monday. Uh, it varies. Sometimes we start at 6 p.m., sometimes it starts 7 p.m., depends on the needs of the group. And um, the, rec- the only prerequisite is to have a quick interview with me so that we talk about values, expectations, agreements. Mm-hmm. And, and what else can I say? And it's a face-to-face meeting, usually, but we also use hybrid, like a hybrid method of meeting. Some people join by Zoom through a laptop. People mm-hmm. who, who are uh, more sensitive to the corona situation and have different needs. Okay. And if somebody is coming, let's say, one time and they like it, it's not um, mandatory or, or how do you say this? Um, restricting or asking people to come a certain amount of times. People can come and go as they want and that works for the group. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Although, although, although I suggest that people stay at least three times. Yeah. But sometimes it's so impactful to talk about feelings and to and to see other men, strong, big, adult men, hairy men, crying and, <laughs> and talking about their feelings, that it feels threatening and it and it ra- and it raises defensiveness. So. It's, right. it's too overwhelming to continue coming. And it's right. totally fine. I, I understand that and accept that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can you mention on here where is the physical location? Yes. Where are you meeting? Exactly. Thank you. It's um, Espon Kescus train station on the second floor. There is a beautiful glass office there called Trapeza, where we meet. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And I can link that also in our show notes so people are more aware, but it's in the Espon Cascus area. Yes. Okay, great. And to mention that this is for free yeah. uh, as well for, for people to, to do that. Mm. And if people want to book that interview or intake meeting to take part in Men Talk, how can they reach you? Yeah, they can email you and I, I, I can write that, that address to you later on. Yes, they can I will email. have that. Yeah mentalk.contact at gmail.com okay thank you i will add it also in the show notes mm-hmm. as i said yeah. yeah thank you okay then that's for for mentalk great yeah. yeah and can you then explain sort of the same thing about yeah. the workshop of communication talk yeah communication talk is a well-defined um period of meetings it's seven meetings and the requisite is also to have an interview with me and, and to subscribe in a subscription form that we have. And I will also link those and it's for free and uh, it lasts one and a half hours each meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a different, it's a different goal for mental. So it's for communication talk, it's for all genders, it's a limited amount of time, and it's a skill-developing workshop, differently from uh, an empathy group or a psychological support group. Although, although, of course, when we are working with our difficulties and and our unskillfulness, emotions will come up. And it turns every now and then into a support group as well. It's inevitable. <laughs> yeah, but that isn't the core or the the main purpose. But exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and Danielle, I I would like to to emphasize one thing that I haven't said about yes. communi- uh, about nonviolent communication. When I started talking about it, I said that it's not just a method; it's a way of life. And that means that it's so painful for me 
to understand that some people use the form of nonviolent communication to achieve goals, to meet needs, individual needs, over other people's needs. And that is the opposite of nonviolent communication. The essence of nonviolent communication is to understand that all needs matter and everything that everybody is doing all the time is an attempt to meet their needs. It's just the strategy that fails a lot sometimes. Or I would switch the word fail for it's not effective. Right. You know, uh, yeah. so, so nonviolent communication, apart from this, this consciousness that all needs matter, and I will, I, I will use nonviolent communication structure to understand as many needs as possible, to meet as many needs as possible, and to create a fulfilling agreement for everybody not to get my way, not to manipulate people to meet my needs. And that's why I say that it's not only a method. It's a way of life. Yes. Thank you for clarifying this. It's, it's an important point. Yeah. I had another technical question that came to mm -hmm. my mind. Where can people find the dates for the communication talk as they come up? And mm -hmm. how can people reach you to sign up for it? Mm -hmm. So again, based in this essence of nonviolent communication that all needs matter is not just like my needs over people's needs. I don't create a specific date for participants. Uh, when we have a certain amount of participants, usually seats, we gather and talk about their needs and about when it's possible for them to come. Because for instance, there are many mothers with very young children who want to participate, but they cannot join in the normal uh, commercial time. Because right. mothers with young children have a completely different set of needs than, than mothers of like older children or, or fathers or people who are not parents. Very true. <laughs> mm. Okay, so the first step then would be if people are interested in communication talk is to email you? It's, it's to subscribe in the subscription form. That subscription form, which yeah. we can find. You will send the link. I will, I will the send the link. I will send the link. Okay, so for yeah. communication talk, people should subscribe with the link. And for men talk, people should email you to the email address that also will be provided. Exactly. And okay. also people can find more information. We have, we have very small Instagram profiles and I haven't created Facebook profiles or LinkedIn profiles because it's, it just takes so much time and I'm not capable of that right now. So Instagram is communicationtalk.fi and mentalk is mentalk.fi. Lovely. And there they can find subscription forms, email addresses, and whatever. Oh, so great. Okay, yeah. okay, lovely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we are at the end of our conversation, and I am so grateful that, that you know, we were connected by Clara, who is from Yellen Porti as well, and that I had the opportunity to chat with you. And I believe that at the time of this recording, you are the first male guest on our show. Wow. So you have the honor and, and thank you for bringing such an important topic uh, to our podcast and to our listeners and uh, to the fathers and men. And I am so grateful for, for everybody's time, for listening to us and for you, uh, Jew, for being here. I am so, so grateful, Danielle. I met needs for being seen, for connection, for nourishment, uh, what else? Uh, reliability and your work, and also, and I, I, I have this strong wish that people will resonate with what we are talking here, and that they will contact us. Thank you. Thank you very much.
So that was my conversation with Giuliano Valentini. We spoke about the importance of communication within the family and especially between the couple as they transition into parenthood. We talked about the importance of creating a safe space for men to talk about their emotions, as well as to dismantle some of the social constructs around what it means to be a man and a father. Remember to sign up to our Positive Birth Helsinki online meetup with the link in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Thank you for being here with me today, and I look forward to welcoming you again next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours. Thank you.